Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. Hey guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti, got Nick Bellamy back with me. Nick, thanks for coming. Dan, always a pleasure. Love you, my era. Your family has been so kind to me over the years and always love to come and be able to pour out to some young men. Uh, I mean, I've been watching you do it for a long time and I'd love to be a part of it. Yeah, and it's uh, it's great. Um, just, just The conversations to me, um, I learned so much just kind of in preparing and thinking about like, you know, if I were a young man, what kind of conversations would I want somebody to come along and have with me? Um, and then as you have these conversations with people and you see them, right, kind of the, the light bulb goes off like, hey, that's really important. And I think it's just I mean, that's what the whole podcast is about. Right. It's just um, a guy having a conversation with another guy. Right. You know, the Proverbs 27. Right. We're just iron sharpening iron. Um, and so um, when I was thinking about, hey, what do we want to cover and what do we want to talk about for this particular week? I was thinking about um, in the book of Titus um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and Paul is writing and there's there's two places that really um, kind of hit me. Love that. <laughs> I love it when, when there's a specific scripture that gets you. Yeah, but it, it's it's uh, it's it's actually um, in wait, wait in uh, in First Timothy. Um, he's talking about um, the whole thing of, of an office of an overseer. Um, and he has this line. It says, if anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he aspires a noble task. And so if, if you want to be in leadership in a church, um, which is what he's talking about from an elder's perspective, he's like, hey, that's a good thing, right? And I think that's that's such an important concept. Now, when when he's writing to Titus, he's not talking about that particular office, but he's talking about, in a sense, the maturity of a man, um, to go from a young man to an older man. And I think it's it's a lot of the same principles, right? Now, um, when you're saying, hey, that person's going to be an elder in your church, that person's going to be a pastor, that person's going to have spiritual authority, right? That list is really, really important. I think it's a great thing for all men to kind of go through and evaluate and say, hey, these are just great life principles that I need to look at. Titus gives us a, a, a list of six things as well um, as, as we go through this particular book. And I think, okay, so even if a person's not aspiring to be an elder or a pastor in a church, right, this list is just for every man who aspires to mature and to grow um, and to not be the same thing he was when he was 20. Without a doubt. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, just to grow, right? And the idea of growing is, um, as far as humans go, right, is that people who came before you pour into you so that you can then pour into others. Yes. And if at any point you get outside of that, like, that's the idea of God's church, that's when, when you come through the idea of lost and saved, like your salvation moment, you join the larger church of Jesus Christ. You yep. join a local body too, but what, what, what God is looking for, it's Habakkuk 2.14, right? He wants to see that the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea, yeah. right? And so that's his church. He wants his church to grow. And the way that it grows is from person to person. And so a mature Christian, a mature man in this case, would, would, would aspire to some of these qualities in their character. Yes, yeah. And, and I, I just think it's, you know, if I'm a young guy listening, okay, here, here's, here's my thought. Um, one, it would be awesome if there were a man in your life that represented these particular principles. So when we talk about him, you go, oh, I got that. Yeah, okay. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. I've seen that. Um, I've seen it lived out, right? And I know the practical steps on how to get there because I've seen somebody, somebody do that. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of men, that's not going to be true. So we're, we're going to lay down some principles and a lot of guys are going to be going, 
never seen that before, right? I, I'm not even sure what that means, <laughs> right? right? So, so I want to I want to walk through these, okay. and I want to give as much practical insight as we can, so that if a person hasn't seen it in their own life. Right. They're like, okay, I'm the one who's going to have to start this. And then what I want to do is I want to duplicate this in the life of my boys so that they can see it lived out in me. Right. And yep. same thing that you're doing with your boys, same thing I'm trying to do with my boys so they can see these particular principles so that when they get older, right, and they hear these particular words and they read them, they're not going, I've never seen that before. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right. um, and so anyway, so we're in, we're in Titus uh, chapter two um, and uh, Paul's writing to Titus and he says this, um, he says, but as for you, I'll just start with verse one, but as for you teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then he says, this is as older men are to be sober minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and in steadfastness. Um, and that's, that's the list, right? These six particular things. And I just want to, I want to start with these six things uh, and just kind of walk through and say, you know, what, what is it? What does it mean? What is Paul trying to communicate? What does it mean to us today in, in terms of, right? If, if these are things that we want said about us, how do we get to that particular area? And so let's just start with the first one. So, sober-minded, right? Um, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I mean, when I hear the word sober, it's obviously alcohol. Yeah. Like I, just, I just immediately go there. Um, another translation of this passage is self-controlled, yep. right? Sober-minded. Uh, stead, and steadfastness is used again, so they're not the same. Um, but just this concept, um, I think this is where the word meekness come, it Ooh, would be a very yeah. good synonym. And so the meekness, the, well, the first time I understood meekness as opposed to weakness, I think for a good, I don't know, 35 years of my life, I thought those two words were the same. Mm-hmm. And then finally, a friend of mine, Jeff Koch, he explained to me that meekness was uh, the, the concept of a wild horse becoming tamed and then being useful for the master's work. Right. And so the concept still a for horse, us, still got the power, still have all of it, just know <laughs> but how you to use can it use now. it for something, right? And so a self-controlled man understands what he's capable of, what he's not capable of, and and does the best to put some guardrails up and stay down the middle of the road. Yeah, I like that. Um, other words that that came up when I was looking at this said uh, sensible, mm-hmm. and it said this this was really interesting. It said set apart. Okay, and and so I thought about that from a sober-minded perspective. To me, it's that in that that, that idea. Um, that your your mind is set apart for a greater purpose than what the world is asking you to do, right? It, it's it's um, I, I use this example all the time, but you know we went down to um, the you know, Texas State Fair, mm-hmm. right? And we were trying to get to the rides in the Texas State Fair, and the first thing you would do is you walk through the thing called the Midway. Right. And they're all the games of people trying to get you to, you know, drop a dollar here, drop two dollars here, drop ten dollars over here uh, to try to throw a ring on a bottle that it doesn't fit or to throw a basketball in a hoop that everything's bent. Right. And all you're doing is you just you're throwing away money. Okay, it's the carnies. It's the carnies. Yeah. Right. And it, 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 here's it. It could be tons of fun if, if you go into it with the mindset of you're throwing fifty dollars right. away. Yeah. Hey, kids. Right. <laughs> here's we're going to a movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're throwing 50 bucks away. Right. So but if you want to get to something else. Um, and, and let's say, you know, you're kind of running short on time and, you, you know, you tell the kids, it's like, hey, listen, we've got to get through the midway because we're going to. And, and for instance, all right, at the Texas State Fair, a big thing that they have is, the, you know, the car show. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're a car guy and you're going to the car show and we want to go see that, then your mind is set on an object that's past the midway. Right. And so you can walk 
past the temptation and the distraction and the discouragement of the things of the world because your mind is set on something. And I think when I think of somebody who's sober-minded, that's the mindset that comes to me, right, is, is a person who's dedicated something, right, and they're willing to pursue it and not get distracted with the other things that come along to say, hey, pay attention over here and hey, pay attention over there. And I think that's – I love this when he talks about just kind of the maturity, right, of a man is when you're young, I think it's easier to distract you with the temptations of the world and, and the, you know, the lure of quick money, right? I, I just remember, you know, getting phone calls from people all the time in my 20s of like, hey, here's a, oh, this is a quick way to make money. And this, is a, oh, this, is, you know, and you're like, oh my goodness, like, dude, go get a job, work, you know, invest, save a little bit of money, right? Just, you know, keep on going through. There's not the quick, easy buck all the time. Um, and so just with maturity, I think that's an important thing to see is um, I'm, sen- I, I like that. I'm sensible, Right. Mm-hmm. I'm set apart with my mind, dedicated on something beyond what the world tries to throw at me as a quick, easy shortcut that ends up becoming a long, you know, version that ends up costing you more in the long run. Without a doubt. Okay. So sober minded, next word he said is is dignified. Dignified. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um I think initially I think royalty, I think of the procession, I uh-huh. think of these kind of like I mean for lack of a better term, the royals, right? And just the, the concept of how they hold their chest high. Uh, and I think that's where dignified is. But I think when we think about it in a spiritual context and from the Bible, you know, he's saying uh, it, it's above reproach. Yeah. It's, you know, that you you don't give them a reason to look down on you, let alone uh, to even if they did look down on you, like you, you're there for an audience of one. Oh, I like it. And you yeah. care what Jesus thinks yeah. and what God, your creator, thinks in heaven and how the Holy Spirit convicts your heart, not what John, Bob, George, and Paul say on the sidelines. Well, so, okay, I'm glad you used the word royals because it doesn't come up much right, in American conversation because we don't have royalty. Right. It's, it's one of the things that our— And our, and our, lead, our uh, ruling class isn't exactly dignified <laughs> these days. Oh, I love that. <laughs> our, our TikTok influencers, <laughs> right? Or even like, those friends of ours in Washington, D.C. Oh, ouch. Okay. <laughs> but right, when you say the, the royals, right, I mean, I immediately go right to First Peter, right, where Peter's saying, hey, you are a royal priesthood, mm-hmm. right? And a reminder that your dad is the king of kings and the lord of lords— and and the and the interesting thing is as you read through the Old Testament, that's one of the amazing things is the nation of Israel does right set up a royalty, does set up a king, right? And it's a, it's a, it's for me, it's right a physical picture of a spiritual reality that yeah, um, King Saul's there, King David's there, um, you know, King Solomon's there. Um, oh, and then we have a bunch of kings that are you know really bad, um, except for like three good ones in the south. They did things that were evil in the sight of the that Lord. Were evil. Yes, they did. <laughs> they did more so. Um, but it, it's inter- it's an interesting picture, right? Because uh, that that idea of royalty from a spiritual perspective, right? When we see it from a physical perspective, right? That's a physical royal family, right? Well, spiritually, we're that royal family. And so those those things that you can you know, see as counterparts, the way that they walk, the way that they talk, the air, the tradition, all those different things, what does that look like then from a spiritual perspective? And I think what you said is, is super important, right? Is the idea that you don't give them an opportunity to look down upon you because your dad is the king, right? So um, another thing that I had in, instead of dignified, right, was, uh, was worthy, right? A, mm. a sense of worth. Um, and so to me, right, it's that idea of if, if God paid the ultimate price for my soul, right, then I need to live a life that demonstrates the price that he paid, 
So, so how do I walk, right, Ephesians 4, how do I walk in a manner worthy of my calling, right? And you, you said, right, you live before an audience of one, so that your dad yeah, right. is the one who's pleased in you, not that knucklehead over there, right, your neighbor who doesn't even know the Lord. That, but here's the deal. They should, they should have a sense about you that there's something different, right, about Nick. And here's how Titus says that. So later in chapter 3, he says, but avoid foolish debates, mm. genealogies, quarrels, and disputes, because they are unprofitable and worthless. See, exactly. Reject a divisive yep. person after a first and second warning, for you know that such a person has gone astray. Yep. And so think about that. What is that? Foolish debates. That's when we're arguing about things that just don't matter in the grand scheme of people's lives being lost and found. Yeah. So, so the other words that I, when I looked up dignified, right, it also said um, honorable, grave, and serious. And I think that that fits that same thing, right? Is our our conversation and the way that we carry ourselves day to day needs to have a in a sense like an otherworldliness about it, right? A, a graveness and a seriousness that what happens here lasts for eternity. Well, and the thing that we're an ambassador of, that we're a royal priesthood of, is the heavenly realm exactly? Like as it is in heaven on earth, right? Right. In the Lord's prayer, we say that, and I think we rip through it sometimes, and we fail to recognize how important it is in that moment that we are we have received this immense amount of grace, yeah. and we've seen behind the curtain the revelation in our heart from the Holy Spirit, and we're supposed to be delivering that, yeah, to others. Yeah. And when we don't, when we quarrel, we're divisive, we get into arguments, and we do all the things. Which, full disclosure. I'm 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 a work in progress. Oh sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always interesting to talk about things like this when you know that like you know just yesterday you did the thing. Yeah. But but you know you think about this, right? When when you say that, I think of then that royal family in England and and you know they're the front of all the tabloids because they look silly. They've got dysfunction. Because they look silly when they have yeah. dysfunction because the rest of us look at them and go, "Oh my goodness, if we were in your position, right? We would we would act dignified. Look how silly you look when you don't act dignified." And right. I think that's how, the, how people who are watching Christians exactly. act undignified. Exactly. They go, man, this is silly. Why on earth would I be attracted to that? Yeah, very true. So that, I think that's a the super part of your maturity, right, is that you understand that the world evaluates your Savior by the way that you carry yourself in your walk. And dignified is not arrogant. I think there's a there's a big oh that's you gotta, good that's yes I think there's a line there God, God opposes the proud gives grace to the humble <laughs> so obviously right. you cannot put dignified in 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 a way of right carrying yourself with an air right um, you know of of um, I, I guess you know, arrogance right confidence and cocky right those two are two. like confidence is positive cockiness is not yep. you know and it's 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 the fine line because look the world the secular world has taken everything good that God has created Twisted. and they found their own version yep. and the word perversion is actually what this is when you pervert the truth for a lie yep. and what we really need to do is we need to go back and exchange God's truth for the lies that we believed yep. unseat the root in our life and then go and live on in a simple way as, as Paul and Titus are discussing here in the letter it. today. I love it. Well, the next one he gives is actually self-controlled, um, which is the um, a couple verses later when he talks about young men. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only thing he tells young men. Right. Right? He says, young men, be self-controlled, um, which, which I go back to um, Psalm 144, 12, when it talks about um, you, you know young men and women as they're, as they're being raised. Um, uh, you know, the, the psalmist, I think it's David, but he writes about how uh, men need to be a well-manicured lawn. They need to be... Um, a well-kept plant, right? And and just that idea that, that yeah, I mean, boys can be um, wild and unruly. Yeah. And, and I think there's a, there's a, 
a certain level of that with a boy that is like a permissible concept of, you know, we want our boys to be boys. And, and, you know, a lot of our boys who are kind of rough and tumble, it's like, oh, that, that's okay. Um, but within boundaries, within reason, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be opportunities for you to be able to say, okay, so here's how we um, act like young men and gentlemen when we're, you know, there's inside voice and outside voice there. I mean, so yeah. just, you know, where we don't take that rowdiness and just use it as an, as a, you know, permissiveness and an excuse for bad behavior everywhere. That's right. You know what I mean? And I, I've seen, you know, so many people is like, you know, their kids are running around church jumping from pew to pew and they're like, ah, boys will be boys. And I'm always like, unless you train them to, to be men. I love that line. Every time you say it, it makes me, makes me smile. Just, and then I would just say, you know, we're setting the ground rules early for when they hit puberty and we start having the purity conversation. Yes. Because if that's the first time they're having a conversation about the rules, about what yep. it looks like to be self-controlled, yep. you're probably going to fail. Yeah. Because it's a very tough one. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the times I think that people read this section and, and they, they're not willing to let their mind go to that place of, of sexual purity, of, you know, you, you were made for a, a soulmate of one. And, and I think a lot of people, like, they, they just skip past this because it doesn't specifically say, you know, a, a, a sexual word or orgies like it does in other places or these different, these different things that are not right. Right. And, and I think it's really, really important for a young man, especially the type of people who would be listening to this podcast, like purity matters. And it's a really big deal yeah. inside the church, outside the church. Well, it's good. So um, the other word I put down here, was it said safe in mind, mm-hmm. was this other version said safe in mind. And I think that's a really important concept because, right, when you're talking about purity, and, and here's the thing, um, I'm not just talking about purity in action. I'm talking about purity in mind and then action. Yep. Right, and we have to own both of those. Right? right, we have to have purity of mind, and we have to have purity of action. Um, I know Scripture talks an awful lot about, um, you know, when Jesus is saying, "Hey, don't commit adultery," but then he says, "Hey, if you've looked lustfully, lustfully at a girl, you've already committed adultery with right. her." Because here's the thing, right? It's the invitation to let Satan in that's sin. Right, and if you think mm-hmm. about that. Right. Um, I mean, this this is a I was listening to, you know, Jonathan Pecluda. He was preaching and he talked about sin and he's like, it's an invitation to let Satan in. And I just thought, hey, that's just a nice abbreviation for sin. Right. S for Satan. I N. When we Mm -hmm. let Satan in, that's sin. And so my my thing is that's so important is to think that that's where. Right. It's people always say, you know, temptation is not a sin. Right. It's like, right. But when you invite Satan in yeah. to give you an understanding of what do we do with that temptation, <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's that's when the sin begins. So the sin can begin before I take action on it. I don't actually have to go and commit adultery, right? I can sin in my mind in the way that I think about people. And I think you're right. Self-control is both of those. It's mm-hmm. learning to control the mind yeah. and learning to control the body. Now, I'm reading through um, Confessions by Augustine. Okay. Um, and the one line that he said that I just went, Dude, like you have got, that was so important. He said this, he goes, um, my mind tells my body to do something and it responds immediately. <laughs> my mind tells my mind to do something and it resists it. And oh, I went, procrastinate. oh my goodness. Yes. I was like, that's so true, yeah. right? It's Paul saying, right? I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I want to do, mm-hmm. right? It's that, it's that, right? The battle is not just against the enemy, right? Of Satan. And it's not just against the world that combats against us. A lot of the battle is right here between right between the ears, right? You know, the, the, the book, battle of the, the mind. book, the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, really helped so me good. with this. Yep. And there was a couple times where, um, and for those who don't haven't read the book, it's a demon talking to his uncle that's a senior demon, 
And so, and there's a few times where he talks about the the human that he's tempting and, and he's supposed to be messing with, uh, where the the uncle says, "Oh, you know what? That woman, that job, that money, that thing, that'll handle it. You yep. don't have to yep. do anything. Don't even do anything. Yep. Just, Just let, let that it play itself out, and <laughs> he will he will hurt himself." Yeah. And it was it was during that time I was growing as a Christian where I started to realize like I'm probably a bigger enemy than external forces at at most times. Yeah. And it's and and so we need to be self controlled. Yep. We need to have. Well, you know what? <clears throat> Let's go back. Practically speaking, right? Real quickly. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Sober mindedness. <clears throat> Sorry. If we wanted to develop that particular quality, what are things that we can practically do? Well. I mean, first off, you have to make an inventory. You have to identify what things are big shortcoming for you. Um, I think sometimes in some translations of the Bible, it even says, "Be a man of little drink," which is just essentially you're willing to have a glass of wine, but you won't get drunk and you won't change your mind space. Yeah. Not everybody can handle that, right? And so it's knowing that particular one in your in your life. You know, um, not going places where you're going to see lewd images. There you, um, go. Yep. you know, not taking in media and content that would lead you down the wrong path. Um, you know, you can just kind of go down the list. If you if you meet people who are constantly a bad influence on the choices you make and the character that you're walking with, you know, you, you have to find a way to separate yourself from those people. And you can go down and you can put many guardrails around ourselves if we're willing yeah. to identify them first. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Mike Thornberry, right, who's been on this several times, sent me, and this kind of goes with the sober-minded and the self-control. Uh, he sent me a quote from a book called Road to Character, and it was describing um, Ida Eisenhower, uh, who's the mother of Dwight D. Eisenhower. And, uh, and the quote, it says, is, self-control is a muscle that tires easily. It is much better to avoid temptation in the first place rather than try to resist it when it arises. Ooh. And I think that's such an important thing for us is, um, yes, being sober-minded, being dignified, being self-controlled, super important. Also realizing where your weaknesses are um, and setting up boundaries and accountability so that you avoid the things that are going to trip you up is an important part of that as well, mm-hmm. right? Not, not just that, hey, I'm going to always be self-controlled. It's like, here's the deal. You're, you're weak. The, f- the flesh is weak. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what can you do to help your decision-making process so that when you're in a position, right, of strength, and you, you brought up, you know, and I appreciate you doing it, but you brought up, you know, when you're talking about you know, sexual purity, right? You don't make the decision in the moment of, you know, oh, how far can we go? It's like, oh, no, you make the decision long before about what you're willing to do, and then you place the parameters around you so you put yourself in a position so that you can be successful in that relationship. Yeah, and if you only set up what not to do and you never actually identify what to do, there you go. Um, it's, a, it's a big challenge. I mean, this is like Life Recovery Ministry 101. And so it's not always what not to do, but always what to do. In, the, in that particular case, it's I want to find the one that God has for me, my soulmate. I want to marry them. I want to have intimate relationship with them and build a family with them. Yes. That's the what I, my aim is. Yes. And along the way, I'm going to date to find the right person that God has for me. Um, but I'm going to save myself for that person. That would be purity. Um, what you do in your alone time, that's purity, right? And, and so having the right aim and the ambition, uh, we're going to talk through a couple other points that, that uh, Paul was writing to Titus. And some of them are going to relate to this as an overarching figure when we talk about endurance and we talk about love. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about these things. Well, these are overarching themes that trickle across every arena in our life. Yep. And it's really important, especially in the in the purity one. Yeah. Now you mentioned purity up until the point of marriage. Oh, I think it goes until it, death. It get, exactly. I mean, it goes be it goes beyond that. 
Okay. And uh, I, w- I was just talking to a, a friend who, uh, and this, this, this is sometimes weird where you get those one offs and, and I, I go, Oh, that, you know, it's, it's like a one off, but I keep hearing these things as one offs that I go, are there a lot of guys out there who are believing these lies that the world has told them? Um, but this one was a, a particular guy who got married and he's like, you know, Hey, I saved myself until marriage. And so because I can't have you know, now that I've gotten married, I can only have sex with one woman. He's like, he's going down, I think, to like Mexico, right? And he's going to take a little, I'm going to go sow my wild oats and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to be faithful to you because because look at what I'm giving up. And I'm like... Actions speak louder right. than words. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've that's ever heard. That's the dumbest thing exactly. like, you know, but, but the, Not the, the first person to try it, by the way. <laughs> but my, my thing is, um, it, it's, it's it, when, 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 when Paul lays out this list... Um, and I, I like the way you framed it, right, is um, these are things to aspire to. These are not the life of, oh, I'm giving up all the great things of the world so that I can be sober-minded and dignified and self-controlled and blah, 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 right? It's like, here's the thing. This is where life is. This, oh, this, is right, this is the good life that God has given to you to protect you from the temptations of falling into a trap that, hey, send his pleasure for a moment. But when the price tag comes, you go, wow, that was not worth it. That's right. Right. And, and what we're trying to do for a lot of young guys, we're trying to say, hey, when that price you know, comes due, you don't want to pay it. You can't pay it. Christ paid it once for all. So here's the deal. He's given you the opportunity to live in a sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled way. And that is going to give you the greatest fulfillment as the way God has designed the world. Oh, without a doubt. And, and I think, you know, all of this is about relationships. Yeah. You know, it, can you go and build a bazillion dollar business inside of God's perfect plan for your life? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, can you have sexual purity and then have the most amazing intimacy with your wife? Absolutely. Can you, and you can go down the list. Yeah. You can go down the list across the board. Can you have the absolute best friends? Christians should throw the best parties. We should have the best friends. We should have the best church. We should have the best of everything. If it wasn't for that one little problem of sin yeah. that we all struggle with. And so when we aspire to greater things, though, we elevate not only ourselves but our community. And then when we're that ambassador and that royal priesthood that we're supposed to be, it becomes appealing to those who haven't seen it. Totally. And then Jesus will come back when everybody's heard the name of Jesus and it bends at the knee to it. Yeah. It's C.S. Lewis talking about how God offers us, right, the vacation at the beach and we settle for making mud pies, <laughs> right? And, 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 we think, and we think this is like, you know, greatness. Here's, here's the awesome, you know, thing that I'm having. And it's just like, no, God's got so much better for you. Yeah. So when, when I'm just saying when Paul writes this list to Titus and when I'm reading it in 2023 – Right. And I and I read through this list. This is the vacation at the beach that God is offering. Right. Is is a life that is sober minded, right? It's dedicated on right a a heavenliness, right? So that you can walk the streets today and not have the worry and the anxiety because you're a citizen of another kingdom. That's right. Right? It it is the dignified, right? So that no matter what everybody throws at me, the mud doesn't stick. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of one of our favorite books when we were kids or when we were younger and had younger kids, um, I can't even remember the name of it, but it was about a little boy named like, you know, Ponticello. Um, anyway, and he's he's in this little place, right? And um, they they put stickers on people. Um, good stickers and bad stickers or whatever, but you know, the the stickers stick and there's one little girl and the stickers don't stick to her. And he's like, "How do, how come the stickers don't stick to you?" Um, and she's like, "Well, cuz I met the master. You know, you want to go meet the master." Ooh. And it's it's a, you know, it's yeah. a, obviously it's a play on it's a, a play on a yeah, and you know, so 
you know, as soon as the master gives you your worth and your value, then what other people say about you, for better or for worse, doesn't even matter to you. That's right. Right. And so once he, you know, has met the master and he tells him, hey, here's how I made you and here's what I've made you for. And you go, oh, then, right, when somebody comes to you and even if they give you praise, right, you can accept the praise as a I'm a reflection, right, of a great God. And that's Mm -hmm. what you're seeing in me as what you call goodness and what you call, you know, dignified and what you call self, right? Here's the deal. What you're seeing is a reflection of my savior through that. Now, when you see something bad, you know, the reality is, is like, hey, I got a savior. <laughs> so, right. so when you see the flesh come out and you see the failings and you see, you know, the, the dysfunction, right? You can go, yeah, yeah, but here's the deal, right? I got a savior that paid the price for that. And I'm going to be at home in eternity one day. And that's not going with me. So yeah, 70, 80 years down here of you know, figuring out this dis- dysfunction and an eternity being separated from it. And Paul always talks about this in his letters. He opens and closes with the hope of eternity. Yes. Right, both times. Like because of the hope and eternity that we have, then this makes X, sense. Y, Z. Yeah. But if you miss that, if you, it doesn't if, make sense. If you don't have a concept of who God is in yep. your life, yep. which is our next one, right? Sound in faith. So our next one on the list is sound in faith. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be sound in faith? Yeah. Um, so sound. I looked at uh, to have health, to be uncorrupted. Right. So a sound in faith, right, is a um, an uncorrupted. Um, orthodoxy, right? A belief system, right? Um, that my faith is truly, and, and Paul talks a lot about, you know, the um, be careful of those who come along with a different message, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that, you know, they try to corrupt, um, you know, so your job is to make sure that your faith comes from the Word of God. Um, and so as an older man, right, there's a lot of different people out there spouting a lot of different things. My job is to spend enough time in the Word of God so that over the years, right, I can spot, right, the fraud. I can spot the, um, you know, the counterfeit, mm-hmm. right, and I can be solid in my faith. The right? discernment of the good things. Amen. And that's what that's that's that sound in faith is understanding what it is, knowing where my shortcomings are. Right? What is it? What is it that's flesh in my life? Yep. And then you know, I, we keep coming back to it. It's identifying, acknowledging, confessing, repenting, turning the other way. You know, I mean, you have to have a. Uh, an adult conversation with yourself yeah. on a regular basis. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, I think sound and faith for me, right? I put down, you know, orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy, right? You know, um, I can live out orthopraxy, right? Straight practice. I can live out uh, the things that are good, true, right when I know what they are. That's my orthodoxy, mm-hmm. right? My straight law. Um, the Word of God is so important for that. So how, how often should I be in the Word of God, right? Every day. As often as you as, eat, as, as often, often as, as you o- sleep, as, as often as you yeah. wake up, as often as the sun goes up and comes down. I mean, there's so many parts of the Bible that just say every day. Every day. Yeah. And, and you being around believers, having accountability groups, like people you trust that believe the same thing you do. Yeah. You know, that was one of the challenges I had. My dad wasn't a believer. Still isn't. And, and I am. And so the advice he would give me wouldn't always match up with the things that I have learned through being a Christian. Yeah. And then I have to wrestle with that line that says to honor your mom and your dad. And does that mean you do everything they say? Well, not if it's contrary to the word of God. Sure. Right. right and yeah. having to figure yeah. that out, it's called discernment. Yeah. And man, it's tough. And it's tough as you get older when you have advisors and counselors in these universities, or you have advisors and counselors on sports teams, or you have advisors and counselors at work, you know, that are your mentors. Uh, and you're either put there for a reason or you chose them. Um, but you, you've given these people access to, to affect your thought pattern, yeah. right? And it's, it's discerning what is good and what is not. Yeah. And, and I, I think even more than that, discerning what is God yes. and what is good, 
right? Because there's a lot of good things that aren't God. That's right. And when, and when God calls you to something, I think of Chariots of Fire when you talked about um, the guy who was the, the great runner um, and, you know, he would, he would feel the pleasure of God when he ran, but he wouldn't run on Sundays, right? And he was an English guy. I remember showing this to the kids once. I don't, you probably haven't seen Chariots of Fire, but we were like, you know, when I was younger. Oh, I have. I'm a little bit older. Okay. When, when I was younger, I was like, ah, it's such a great movie. And I remember when the kids were younger, I was like, oh, this is, you know, anything sports-minded, right? Yeah, hey, yeah. We're going to show it to the kids. Man, there's a lot of swearing in that movie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, boy. Anyway, but the concept was um, that he wouldn't run on Sundays. He gets into the Olympics to represent his country, and his race is on a Sunday. And he's like, ah, I'm not running. And they're like, yeah, you, have, you to. have to run. Like, this is the Olympics. You're representing. And he's like, yeah, no, not running. Um, and it's just like the, the concept is, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying – Right, that you know, oh, you know, have to be so legalistic. I'm just saying, here's the deal: when when you listen to the voice of God, there are times that you're making decisions that everybody thinks you're crazy, right? Right, and that's like, okay, here's the deal: we we can be good or we can be godly, and I think we need to be godly. Oh, that's I think great so, I think sometimes we can run counter to things and just say, eh, this is what God. Now the crazy thing, right, is um, they put the 400 right on a different day, and he'd never run it before, and they're like, hey, will you run this? Will you he, run this one? And he ran it and won the gold, right? Yeah. So. God's God's got a way of just, you know, hey, listen, I can work out and I can use whoever I want to use whenever I want to use them. But here's the thing. Are you going to be obedient to me, right? And are you going to follow through, right? Or are you going to do whatever the world says, hey, this, th- you know, you can compromise a little bit here. You can compromise a little bit there. And then you've compromised everything. So, so for I, all you guys listening out there, like if you're not talking to God every day, you'll miss his orders. You'll miss it. Yep. You'll miss them. Yeah. And you'll have to go make choices on your own. And that's when your flesh gets in the way. That's when your selfishness makes the choice for, in my case, for Nick instead of for the kingdom of God. Yeah, very true. Um, so sound in faith to sound in love. What comes up with sound in love for you? Oh, my goodness. So it's, I, I just I always go to 1 Corinthians 13, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a song, and I, I butchered if I even tried, but it basically said that if I could make whatever beautiful noise I want. Yep. The clanging of the cymbals. The clanging of the cymbals, <laughs> right? And it's... I can yeah. do that, but yeah. if I don't do it in love, Amen. it's not heard and received appropriately. And so, so good. If my actions are rooted in anything other than love, then they won't be received uh, in a godly way. Yeah. Now, you know, you can go back and forth on situational ethics. Yeah, totally. All day long. Yeah. Right. Because all kinds of things happen but, throughout the day. But you're right. The, the heart of it is, is people know, right, when, when you speak to them in love, right, and show them respect and dignity, um, whether they agree or disagree with you, right, that's the way the message was given by Christ. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what we're held accountable to. Yeah. Cooperating civil. There's like, there's so yeah. many things, having good manners. But yeah, I mean, love is, love is ultimately putting, the kingdom of God above yourself. Some people say it's putting others above them, but then that's just selfish for them, right? Like it's putting the kingdom of God. And does this make you closer to the Lord or farther from the Lord? Because almost every decision we make, the 10 or 20,000 decisions we make on a daily basis, every time it's either one step closer to God or it's one step farther away. Yeah. So um, you went to First Corinthians. Um, I'm going to the Incredibles. All right, because I mean they're synonymous. That's yeah. <laughs> just you know Paul's writing to the pagans. Either the Prince's go. Bride, right, or the Incredibles, <laughs> right? Two great Christian movies. Um, but I, here's what I was thinking when when it's talking about sound and love was making sure that your 
relationships are in their proper perspective, yes. right? And you, obviously you said, right, your relationship with the Lord, right, preeminent, by far the most re- important relationship. And I think the concept is, is that next relationship is your marriage relationship. Without a right? doubt. That we have to make sure that we protect that marriage relationship um, against even other things that, again, are good. Mm-hmm. And and so in, in The Incredibles, right, you remember when, um, what was the guy's name who was the Frizo guy, Frizone? Right. He, you know, he shot all the ice out. Right. Anyway, sub zero or right. something. So so you remember the time, right, where he's looking for his super suit. Right. Because there's oh, all this bad. St- right. And he, and he opens it up and the super suit's not there. So he yells to his wife. He's like, where is my super suit? And it's a great line. Right. And she's like, why do you want it? Because <laughs> they have a date night. Right? right. And that's the premise. And he's like, you know, he's seeing all this stuff happening outside the window and he's just like, where's my super suit? And she's like, you know. Um, and so anyway, the line in there, um, he says, right, is um, is he wants it for the greater good. Right. Because, you know, the bad stuff is happening. And so he's like, you know, I-, I want it for the greater good. And her line, I had to go look it up again. Right. He, she goes this. She's yelling from the other room. We never even see her. But she says that she goes, I am your wife. I'm the greatest good you're ever going to get. <laughs> Amen. And I went. That is a great line, right, from a non-Christian yeah. movie of the, of the proper perspective of marriage, mm-hmm. right, is she is your greatest good. And so whatever else comes along that looks like it's an opportunity for you, right, you need to protect your marriage, right? So mm-hmm. against uh, another woman, against your job, right, mm-hmm. against um, opportunities that take you away from investing in that particular relationship. And I think one worth mentioning is like pornography and self-gratification are things that take you away from your wife. Amen. And it's a selfish act as opposed to a kingdom act. That's right. And I mean, you can go down the list, right? And so, but your marriage is, and it's a, a godly marriage, yes. right? So it's between a man and a woman for, and, and some people don't, don't agree with that, yep. but that's how God designed it. And it's once again, am I humble enough to say that his way is better than mine? Yep. And then to follow in obedience through his ways. Marriage is between a man and a woman for the purpose of bringing glory to God's kingdom and then making disciples for the kingdom. Yep. And so those disciples are the children that come from the beautiful marriage. And that's that if people are looking for the meaning of life, okay, it's to glorify God and to make disciples. Yes. Right? And you can do it in your home. And so that's why that marriage relationship is so important. That's why the parent relationship, also quoted by Paul in here to the letter to Titus, and then to the other young men in your community. Right, so you take care of your family, you take care of your your wife, your children, but it doesn't stop there. Yeah. You then have to go past the baton of faith to the other young men who maybe don't have that example to them. And so Titus goes through that his letter saying, just keep keep the young men self controlled. Yep. yep. Go do that. Remind yep. them and of the things that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And, and then teach them up. things that are sound. So the cool thing, I just got a call from a friend um, who's about to get married, mm-hmm. and he said he had to call three people and ask them. Um, what do you believe is the biblical role for the wife and for the husband? That was the question he had to ask. Did you have to answer this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I said, hey, I said, here's the deal, right? One, I start in Genesis, right, where uh, where God gives to Adam, right, Eve. And, and he uses the word azir, right? He said, this is your helper. You're azir, mm-hmm. okay? And the word azir is going to be super important because through the rest of Scripture, God's going to use that word to describe himself as Israel's helper, which is a really kind of a cool yeah. thing, right? Because you think, oh, helper, that means they're second class or they're less than, which doesn't make any sense when God says, no, I'm your Azir, I'm your helper, right? You don't think, oh, God's less than, he's just my helper. It's like, uh, no, <laughs> God's greater than, but he takes the position of the helper to help you, mm-hmm. right? So he gives you a wife to be your Azir. And the cool thing is, right, it, it, it 
gives you the idea that it's a compliment, right? So in, in some sense, it's um, that whatever you are is not as good alone, but it's better with this, right? And so it's not good for man to be alone. Look, right? I've added this. And now you go, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the you complete me concept. Um, but it's it's that idea of the two are better than one. That's right. Okay. Uh, and then I went to uh, Ephesians 5, right? And I said, from the husband's perspective, right? I don't read 22 because that's for the wife. It's for the wife. I read 25 and it says, you know, hey, husbands, and here's the deal. It says to, um, to protect and promote, mm-hmm. right? To be her protector, right? To promote her. And so here's the thing. My wife should be better off by me being her husband than without me. And that would be dignified, and that would be above reproach. There you go. And that would be sensible. Yep. And then I go to First Peter 3, where it talks about the woman as the uh, weaker vessel. But infinitely more valuable. Right. And that's the, that's the concept that Peter's trying to get across, right, is weaker meaning more precious. That's right. Right. She's the fine china. And so you protect, you take care of. The other word it uses is you cherish. Well, there's a, there's a promise there. You, your prayers will not be hindered. That's right. If you treat it appropriately. That's right. Because because your prayers are being given to her dad, so that's your father-in-law. <laughs> so just understand, when you don't take care of his daughter, he ain't listening to There's your prayers. Nobody listening. Right? Nobody listening to your prayers up here. Take care of my daughter, and then I'll start listening. That's right. Right. So super, super important. I think uh, from a practical standpoint, right, does it mean to be sound in love? I think that's a great thing to do is find three guys older than you, right, whose marriages you can look at and say, hey, like they're not perfect, right? Nobody is. Um, but just say, hey, you know what? You're doing this thing right. Right. Tell, tell me what it means to be a godly man uh, in terms of my relationships, in terms of my marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. And sit down with him and have, have coffee and say, tell me what this looks like. And I think if you're an older man, right, we need to be training up these younger guys and speaking truth into them and telling them how they need to be respecting and honoring and cherishing their wives in a dignified way. Well, and teaching them what to look for in a wife. Uh, very true. Very true. Very good. Last one is sound in steadfastness. What does that bring up? I mean, the idea of endurance mm. and just, you know, yep. uh, Paul says, I have run the race, right? And I have achieved the prize. I don't, I don't feel that until the day you get home to heaven that you can claim that. Amen. Right? And um, the way that God has set this up about relationships is that even if you were crippled and on your dying bed, you could still display God's glory to others through relationships yes. in the way that you treat people, yes. the way that you love somebody, yes. the way that Appreciation, you're Appreciation, thankfulness, yes. All those things, gratitude. Yep. And that regardless of how much money you have, like mm. if you go through this list that Titus has given us, it doesn't require any money. It doesn't require any status. It doesn't require anything. Yeah, that's, a, that's a really good point. Other right? than this, is, this isn't written to kind. right the president of the company. Nope. This isn't written to right the guy with a doctorate degree. Right. This is just written to men. All men. All men. All men out there qualify. We're all equals. We're all co-brothers of yep. the creator. Yep. His name is God. He has a son, Jesus, that died on the cross for our sins, and he left us the Holy Spirit to convict our heart on a regular basis. Yeah. That's the Trinity. That's what we claim is the hallmark of our faith of, as Christian men. And I think as you think about steadfastness, you have to go back to that in eternity, the, the salvation moment Okay, of, I have humbled myself to the point of understanding that he is greater and I am not. Yep. And then from there, walking it out and trying to have victory on a daily basis. Yeah. You know what I love about this is not is it just a great list for us as men to aspire to, um, but I think it's a reminder to me of the list that we can kind of match up to the person of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And just say these things demonstrate the character of our God, 
right? And we see it played out in the life of Jesus, so it should be played out in us as well. Mm-hmm. So if the seed of salvation has been planted in me, right, the fruit of faithfulness should be evident. And this list, right, should be something that we see. So when we see sober-minded, right, you think about Jesus, right, who set his, set his mind towards Calvary and walked there. And, walked and, there. Di- and didn't get distracted mm-hmm. the whole way. Right. Even with the temptation of Satan saying, hey, you want to take a shortcut? He's like, eh, can't. Sorry. Right. And, you know, like, hey, you can't you can't go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you. And it's like, well, it's actually I'm going to Jerusalem. <laughs> right? <laughs> you say that? right. And you think about dignified in the way that Jesus carried himself. Right. As other people, you know, looked down on him or spat at him or said, hey, you, you know, nothing good comes out of Nazareth or, hey, you didn't go to whatever, whatever, you know, rabbi school. Right. And you see his disciples get all bent out of shape about it. And he's like, I just don't really care. Not, not, not a big deal. Like, we're right? just going to keep going. You think about self-control. That Jesus had, right? To live a sinless life. Stands by itself, right? <laughs> Sound in faith, of course, right? I mean, you know, as he's there at 12 years old, right? Teaching people out of the word of God. Um, sound in love, the relationships that Jesus has, right? When you go to 1 Corinthians 13 and you talk about love and you go through those that list and it's like, oh, that's Jesus, all right? All right? And then as you end up with, right, that sound and steadfastness, that endurance, that race that he ran that was set before him, that he endured it all the way to the cross, Right? It's a great picture, not only of our Savior and of our God, but it should be a picture of us as Christian men. And I think that's why Paul sent this to Titus and said, hey, go out and produce some men like this. Go produce some men like this. This is what your church should look like. This yep. is how—and it's not even your local church, although that's definitely the component yeah, here. Yeah, it's being exactly. written to the pastor of a local church. But the church— but the church of Jesus Christ, needs the big one, components. needs men like this. Yes. And so be a man like this. Aspire to be a man like this. Put it this ahead of your professional goals, ahead of your monetary goals, ahead of your travel goals, ahead of your selfish goals. Yeah. Put this to attain these characteristics of a godly man yeah. that Paul is writing to Titus. You know, you know, it'd be a really cool thing, practically speaking, right? Write these six qualities down, send this to your five best friends. And a little ju- grade. And just say, yeah, just say, hey, how am I doing in these areas, right? Do you see these qualities in me? Right. And and don't blow smoke up my skirt. Right. Don't don't just, you know, hey, supposed to be sending this people you trust. Right. Don't. Yeah. (laughs) Of course you are. Right. It's like, no, send it. Send it to people who know you. Right. And here's the thing. If you don't have people in your life that give you constructive criticism. Right. That's a bad place to be. That that should be your first thing. That's a lonely place to be. That's a lonely place to be. Right. Because if everybody around you is just a yes man to you. Right, then well, you're this not... has been a theme of your podcast. Community yeah. is important. Community is super important. You've got to have a group of dudes that are of like mind yep. that are running the race with you. Yep. And this would be a great list to send to them and say, hey, evaluate Dan Panetti. Here's your, here's your well, criteria. Well, and, and if you don't have those people, and even if you do have these people, self-evaluation is important. Yes. Like you, need to, you need to give yourself a little, a little check of, of how am I doing in these things. Are these important to me? Yeah. They, you may have never thought about this before. That's a problem. Yeah. It's okay, though. God doesn't call us to look backwards and to be uh, remorseful. He wants us to be satisfied with where we are and hopeful for where we're going. Oh, that's good. That's so true, right? We, you, you, can, you can evaluate things in the past to learn from them, but we don't live in the past, right? We live for tomorrow, right, in the present to make the, to make the best of what we have and moving forward to say, hey, God, maybe I haven't paid attention to these six qualities, but guess what? I'm going to. And tomorrow's going to be different than it is today. So, Nick, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Always, Dan. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training4manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, 
Be strong and show yourself a man.